Bear, Bear, Bears football. The ESPN 1000 Miller Lite postgame show is back with your hosts, ESPN 1000 fantasy expert and host Jeff Miller and two-time Super Bowl champion Chicago native Howard Griffith. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. And the ESPN Chicago app. Solid so far. Four of six throwing. Deep drop here, looking downfield. Aggressive call and a shot into double coverage is intercepted. They tried to stay aggressive, tried to go deep, and Darnell Savage there for the interception. Wind gust comes through, third and 11. Pack bringing five. Trubisky taking it deep into a lot of coverage. It is intercepted. Darnell Savage was touched. Down by contact, back to the 47-yard line. But Savage comes up with the interception again. Highlights on NBC, another nationally televised debacle for the Chicago Bears. This is the Miller Lite Bears postgame show here on ESPN 1000. I am Jeff Miller along with two-time Super Bowl champ Howard Griffith. And it is our pleasure to bring in Jeff Dickerson. Perhaps he could be the lone bright spot for all our Avid listeners out there tonight, J.D., it was not fun. It was maybe not as hopeless as um, 2014 when the uh, Tressman era was clearly ending that night. But, boy, it had, it, had, uh, it, had, it had some feelings like that, not dissimilar, if you will. I think the nation has had enough of the Bears in prime time. I mean, the Rams game was a train wreck, and then the Vikings game kind of made you nauseous, and then tonight the fall behind 27-3 coming off a bye week was really egregious. Um, You know, I I hate to say that a lot of people saw something like this coming because I think if you – I mean, you could have been naive. You could have felt like, oh, Trubisky's here to save the season. Here we go. Mitch is back in the saddle. Um, That was never going to happen. I think the real, the real surprising or disappointing thing tonight is the way the defense played, especially early on. Now, missing Akeem Hicks is a big loss, but guys, you can't say because one guy is out that you know you're just going to let the Packers push you around and run the ball at will. There was one point, guys, in the second quarter. Green Bay, I kid you not, had 15 first downs, and they were five of five on third down. And then the one time they did not convert on third down, they go to five of six, they picked it up on fourth down. If you guys remember that play, it was a real yeah. easy conversion. I mean, this was as bad as that Bears defense has looked. Matt Nagy uh, disputed Tony Dungy's assertion that the Bears defense had given up there in the second half. Um, he said they kept fighting, but there's just there's no way to spin anything. They're in serious trouble. Lost five in a row. Um, yes, there are a couple of slots outside the wild card picture right now, but the way they have been playing, it wouldn't be a stretch to say they'll lose out. I mean, should they beat the Lions next week? Yeah. Is there a chance that maybe they hang with the Texans, even though they're not a good team, but Deshaun Watson's still playing really well? Sure. They've got Jacksonville on the schedule. But, I mean, the way that they have just been playing – you could see them not even coming close to getting in the playoffs, especially with Minnesota closing, 
San Francisco's closing. They're in a real tough spot. And, um, you know, the answers aren't there. Howard asked the question before the break, you know, something's got to change, right? Like, how do, how do they figure this out? The problem is there there's no figuring it out. They can't figure it out. They haven't figured it out in 70 years. Because mm-hmm. the biggest problem, and I agree with Howard, this was an outlier, I think, for the Bears' defense. It's not as if you, you brush it off. It's not as if you don't say, hey, these guys, you can't play like that. But, I mean, they have done enough where, okay, they, they had a really bad game tonight. It's still a pretty good defense. But the same problems pop up it's over and over and over. On the days that the defense doesn't step up and play these great games, the offense is nowhere near good enough to pick up the slack and carry this team to a victory. And should I also point out, it is also on a day when Patrick Mahomes goes out there and just dazzles against the Buccaneers. And people hate when you bring up Mahomes. They hate when you bring up Watson. But guys, this is where they're at, largely because of that draft in 2017. You yes. don't talk about it. I don't want mm-hmm. to hear about it. What's done is done. No. That decision has triggered everything that you're seeing. And I don't know when they're going to get another swing at fixing the position the way they could have almost four years ago. And that's a sad reality where we're at right now. And, Jeff, that's what's what's tough, right? And and that's what's so difficult about building a team in the National Football League. When you make a mistake, particularly at the quarterback spot, normally you don't get a chance to recover. Because it's 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 so detrimental to to the organization that no one ends up being safe, and, and that's where the Bears find themselves right now. Again, wasting what is a good defense, not a great defense, but a good defense that could propel you into the playoffs. But if you don't have the right person under center. You've got problems, and, and that's where we are, and it's an unfortunate place for us to be right now. Think if they would have made the right decision draft day. Then the next year they trade for Khalil Mack, and it's okay giving up those first-round picks because you had the most important position on the team in professional sports solved. And not just solved, you hit a grand slam of all grand slams. And I don't want to hear from anybody that Mahomes wouldn't have worked out in Chicago. Not even the Bears could screw that guy up. I mean, oh, my God. You watch what he does on the field. The way he opens those hips. It's it's another level stuff. So, anyways, now you come back to – let's go back to reality. He's not here. Never going to be here. Either is Watson. That's too bad. Reality is now everyone's screaming for everyone to get fired. That's what happens after a loss like this. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you're telling me that Ryan Pace should fire Matt Nagy. Well, no, because how could you possibly fire Matt Nagy and not start from scratch with the GM? You're not going to say, okay, Ryan, we believe in you now to hire your third head coach and fix the quarterback problem without the head coach who, by the way, uh, does have 25 wins in less than three years, so it's not as if they've been losing nonstop. But then if you say, okay, fire them both, well, who's firing both of them? And then who's hiring the replacement? See, this is 
this is why everyone just wants the the the, the bring the tor- the torches and the pitchforks out right now, yeah. right? But sir, <laughs> it's not that easy. No. Yeah, I mean, could you make an argument that this thing needs a whole reboot again? You can make that argument, but how can anyone say that? Oh, um, the next time is going to be better. I mean, it could be worse. We've seen worse. Like we've seen worse. We lived Phil Emery and John Fox and Mark Tressman. I mean, it can get worse than it is right now. So that's why, and I know this drives people nuts. There really is no answer. Yeah, I, I, it's like we're on a Peloton, just just riding and riding and riding. <laughs> but that's how it's been, guys. There's there's no there's no answer, and, and that's why the Bears are the Bears. They just they're not very good. There's every every now and again they'll surprise you, right? Have a year. Mm-hmm. They'll act like they're back. You know, they'll strut. You know, everyone's got to get paid. You know, blah blah blah. And then it's just right back to where it was. It's just a very cyclical thing, and. This is what happens when this organization is what it is. And people don't like to hear that, but firing everyone doesn't make it better. It could actually make it a lot worse. To extend your uh, Peloton metaphor, J.D., sometimes you can um, you can actually fool yourself into believing, though, with a scenic route that we're not in the middle of a pandemic. The question for, you know, my question yeah. is, though, you know, yeah, you, you're right. You can't just appease the mob and say, okay, Everyone out there with your, you know, your torches and your pitchforks, we're going to, you know, throw these two overboard and that will solve anything. And then you turn to your and you got, you know, Bill Lazor ready to step in and call plays. And, you know, like, like, yeah, what does that solve for the final five games? But do you think if things continue to, as you pointed out, even worst case scenario, if they actually do lose out or maybe, you know, maybe they lose, let's say, for the final five here, do you think them cleaning house is on the table or do you think they actually would consider still standing by Ryan Pace and or Matt Nagy? Jeff, any other organization, I would say, well, if you start five and one after a year where you missed the playoffs in a very like, you know, the centennial and all the, the pomp and circumstance. And that was a huge bummer. Mm. If you don't make the playoffs, it would be hard, and with and with no with no solution on the roster at quarterback moving beyond this year, it would be hard to come to the conclusion that the organization is in good hands. However, <laughs> however, uh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do because think about think about what happened when John Fox got fired. Ryan Pace received a contract extension. Hmm. They won 14 games over three years. And yet they were so convinced that he was the right man for the job that they extended his contract to coincide with Matt Nagy. So are they now going to admit defeat with this? And if they do admit defeat, who's coming in to make the hires? I don't think you should go back to an Ernie Acorsi type deal, find a consultant, but there's no one in house that they believe should be making that hire because the last time the hire was made in house guys, you got Phil Emery. Um, And that obviously did not work out very well. Okay. So I I could see them doing it. It's just with with them, you, you, you just, you don't know, like what's their standard? Like, Obviously, the Emery Trustman thing was a debacle. Fox was terrible. 
Nagy's not like that, but is it good enough to get you to where you want to go? And I think that's the real struggle. Like, where's the vision? What's the next step, guys? <laughs> and I don't have that answer for you. I don't have and we, we haven't seen any reason to think that they have it either. I mean, and we've, we've been talking about this really all year about, you know, organizations, you know, want to win, obviously want to make money, want to please the fans and do all these things. But it's not an easy journey. I mean, no. there are difficult decisions that have to be made. And if you're unwilling to make those difficult decisions as a, as a franchise, then you're not going to win. You can't win. Because the, the, the elite organizations, because there are very few, right? There are very few that are out there that you can see. They don't have to make a lot of changes because they're essentially hiring the right people at the right time. But if you're trying to climb to that, you've got to make difficult decisions. And they're sometimes unpopular amongst ownership groups because you don't want to be hiring a, a general manager Every three years. But if you don't have the right guy or the right woman, the right person, then you have to be willing to make some changes. Yeah. And, and, and Howard, here's what I would. This would be my question. And Jeff, if, if I were ownership, I would say, look, it seems like we're working in reverse here. You know, you guys won your first year here. No one expected that. You win 12 games and. They're like, wow, this is really kind of ahead of schedule, right? But then your second year is always supposed to be better than your first year. And now you go to eight wins. All right. And now you're 30. It's almost like we're in year one for Matt and, and Pace, right? <laughs> right. But we're, but we're in year three. So we're working in reverse. Why, why are we trending down when we should be at this point trending up? And now – if you can answer that question for me, how are we going to get it going back on the upswing? And I, I don't, I don't know if you can, if you can answer. I mean, you could say, well, I, you know, what, what do you say, really? Uh, well, we believe in David Montgomery. Well, you don't use him. Um, we, we look, we hit on Darnell Mooney. Okay, I mean, he's a nice little bit player here on offense, right? I mean, he's not bad, but are you going to hang your hat on? I mean, no, right? Well, you drafted Cole Komet. He doesn't ever get the ball. The only time I saw him that I was when he fumbled or he didn't have the catch and, you know, near, the, near the goal line. So the defense is getting older. I mean, so I don't understand. Like, like I, just, I just can't – I can't for the life of me give you a scenario where you could responsibly flip this around. Everyone yeah. could just say, well, fire so-and-so. Okay, all right, that's fine. But you, you have to make it better when you fire someone. Because if you don't make it better, what's the point? And that's why well, I'm struggling. I, I hear you there, J.D., and certainly lacking the confidence in the right people in-house to be able to identify the next person to lead you out of this dark time is certainly, you know, a precarious situation to be in. But what I'll, the one thing I'll say is when I look around the league, and I mean, I, I really just look at every team and where they're at, and as bad as the Jets and the Jaguars are, at 0-11 and 1-10. They know that they're on the cusp of probably finishing with the worst and second to you know worst records in mm-hmm. the league this year, which provides the hope, whether or not it'll turn into anything, you know, we'll see. 
but it provides the hope of guys like Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, you know, right. Kyle coming to save exactly. the franchise. Sure. Yeah. And then when you look at every, every other team across the league, Maybe Sands, I don't know how you feel. Maybe the Denver Broncos are in a weird spot with Drew Locke because I don't I, I you know I don't know what he is as an NFL, but at least they've invested in him and they're they're waiting to find out. Sure, uh, sure. Everyone else in okay, maybe Washington. But but they're certainly in the conversation with the Bears as right now being in the worst position in the league because of these five wins the Bears currently have, you know they're going to be picking you probably at worst like like tenth in the draft. You know what I mean? So it's it's just a, a ridiculously horrible spot to be in with very little hope for Bears fans. I don't I don't know if there's a worse based on everything you just said, Jeff, all the criteria you laid out, I don't know if there's a worse spot in football right now as far as quarterback goes. I mean, you know, New England's not yeah. gonna be drafting highly, right? But like, look, that was a nice win for them today. Cam didn't play great, but that's that's kind of a that's not you're not sure where that's going, right? So maybe New England is in a little bit of a of a same boat, but I mean, geez, they're coming off this you know six Super Bowl run here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, like, you know, it's not like they've only made the playoffs one time since 2010. I mean, the Bengals yeah. eventually will get Burrow back. The Ravens are set. The Browns are set. The Steelers, he's not going anywhere. Titans are set. The Colts, uh, you know, Rivers, but they're seven and four. You can squeeze that for another year. Yeah. Texans are fine. Jacksonville could draft someone. Chiefs are golden. Raiders are fine. Broncos maybe. Chargers have uh, rookie of the year. Yep. It's it's sad, man. I mean, I hate to go down to everyone, but I mean, it's it is. I mean, maybe Philadelphia is in a little bit of a bind right now with Wentz and that contract, but but just yeah, like New England, they're, they're three three years removed from a Super Bowl themselves. So like right. you know, you could so still at say least one one right exactly not with him, up. but I mean, he was around. <laughs> yeah, he was hurt. No, but they won one. It's tough. It, but we've got uh, five more weeks to uh, break it down, JD. So we'll we'll let you go and get some sleep. Thanks for popping on so late. We appreciate it, man. Well, guys, it is my pleasure, and I just wish we had better topics to talk about. One of these days, no it'll be a, a celebratory post game show. But tonight is not that night. Yeah, no. All right, buddy. Be good. Bye, guys. That is Jeff Dickerson, who covers the Bears for ESPN 1000 and ESPN.com. Read all his stuff. On the Bears uh, ESPN page, plenty of good coverage for you there. All right, we got plenty of time left for you, the fans. I see uh, Stephen, Rick, Zach, Kevin, Will, and a couple more lines open for you. 312-332-3776. Was NBC taunting the Bears tonight? We'll discuss next. Howard Griffith and Jeff Meller. More postgame coming up. This is the ESPN 1000 postgame show on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Welcome to the ESPN 1000 Miller Live postgame show. This is Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000. Was NBC trolling the Bears with about six minutes to go in the second quarter tonight? They ran the graphic of highest all-time passer rating, minimum 1,500 passes thrown. They mentioned how Aaron Rodgers had held it for almost 10 years until Deshaun Watson finally reached the 1,500 minimum pass plateau and thus broke Rodgers' current passer rating record. And then today, Patrick Mahomes reached that level, and he now holds the highest quarterback passer rating 
in one's career with a minimum of 1,500 pass attempts. Howard, they just can't help themselves. They always <laughs> got to trot out. It, it's, it was like, it's, it's one thing to hear that, you know, to have the Watson-Mahomes combo, you know, poked into our eye time and time again. But this time they com- they found a way to combine it with Aaron Rodgers, who oh by the way they also then later in the in the uh, in the game ran the graphic. Oh hey, Aaron Rodgers has now has fifty career touchdown passes against the Bears. <laughs> the Bears' all time leader is uh, Jay Cutler, Sid Luckman, and God knows who else with fifteen touchdowns against the Packers. Ugh. The Bears make it easy though. They I do. mean, they make it easy for the research teams to to come up with. <laughs> interesting graphics uh, uh, about our team. So, you know, mm. it, it would be easy to say that they're trolling, but the Bears just make it so easy, uh, yeah. you know, for these departments to come up with all this stuff. It's not really trolling when you're just being a truth teller, right? Right. Uh, let's try Will, who's in Naperville. Will, you're on the uh, Bears postgame show on ESPN 1000, brought to you by Miller Lite. What's up, Will? Uh, Mr. Howard. Yes. This is Jeff. <laughs> Be waiting here for an hour, man. Appreciate you waiting. Um, I, I want to ask uh, uh, Mr. Howard, why is it that the way that they choose a, a quarterback for the Bears, it's it's obvious to me, and I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm foreign. I'm an Ecuadorian, and I can see clearly. The Watson was the right pick, and they right. go and pick Trubisky. It, 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 it to me like I came when I was uh, twelve years old to the to the state. Okay, and to see them pick Trubisky over Watson to me was like a like it, it, to me it was the like race. So can you tell me why would they do that? Why, what's the process of, for a quarterback? Like, so, uh, let, let me, really know in the world, like in the world, like people are watching the world and yeah. they see the best athlete. Mm-hmm. When somebody sees that from all the country and they see that somebody picks a white quarterback over a talented person, Literally, just to me, just shocking. So, Mr. Griffin, please, can you explain me why this happened? Well, well, let's let's first let's let's first leave the ethnic side of it. Let's leave that out of it, right? And I'll tell you what happens: a general manager falls in love mm-hmm. with a player, and. Throughout history, and I'll tell you, any general manager worth his salt will tell you that once a general manager falls in love, somebody's got to be in a position in inside the organization or on his team that has to be able to say, hey, man, this isn't the right guy. And here are the reasons why. But once you fall in love with a player from a general manager's standpoint, you're going to do whatever you can do to get that player. And, and that's why I brought, I brought up other people inside the organization that that GM has to have trust in. 
because there's not always going to be a consensus on who the top pick in the NFL draft is, regardless of position. But you have to have a, a, a team or a team of scouts that can lay out the data and explain to you why this is not the right pick. Now, that doesn't mean that because you say or, or the support staff says this isn't the right pick, the GM's not going to still go with that pick. Because the problem is if the GM loves him, he's going to make the pick. Regardless, unless ownership says, now nah, we're not going that way. But throughout history, what it's told us as far as G- GMs is that they fall in love with the player and then they decide they're going to do whatever it takes to get said player, regardless of a position, and they live and they get fired by that decision. And Trust me, they're all willing to go through that process until you get the end result, which you don't get for a couple of years down the line. Now, yeah. would he go with a different player now? Absolutely. <laughs> Easily he would. No of doubt course. about it. But at that point, he felt Mitch Trubisky was the right guy for the Chicago Bears. And I always say the problem is, you didn't have your coach in place when you said Mitch was going to be the right guy. Because if Nagy yeah. had been there, you probably wouldn't have taken Mitch. That would not have been the guy you would have taken. Or at the, and, yeah. And to, to, uh, to, to echo your point there, Howard, at the very least, we know firsthand, you know, it, it's been made clear from, we've seen numerous stories Andy Reid has confirmed that, that Matt Nagy was, you know, in on the idea that Patrick Mahomes was a once-in-a-generation quarterback. So if Matt Nagy had happened to be yeah, a member of the Bears at that point, you have to believe he would have been fighting Ryan Pace about the idea that Trubisky was a better choice than Pat Mahomes. And certainly I think the argument could be made that, you know, he probably would have had some thoughts about Deshaun Watson being a better pick as well. Deshaun Watson had the uh, injury, the torn ACL, which, you know, if you believe what the Bears, you know, doctors said, you know, they had their reservations about Deshaun Watson being able to hold up and take the pounding that an NFL quarterback sometimes has to take. You know, whether or not that should have disqualified that, that, I think that's the the bigger, you know, conversation piece is should that have been disqualifying to the point where you don't even have a meeting with Deshaun Watson in a fashion that you had with both Trubisky and Mahomes, you know, that, that in itself, that process is flawed because that when you, when that's how your process unfolds, that's what allows you to fall in love with Mitch Mm -hmm. and not be swayed by Deshaun Watson because you don't even get to meet the guy who has some of the best leadership qualities to ever enter this league at the most important position in sports. So, yeah, I mean, you know, People can get all up in arms about, you know, race and wanting to point at Ryan Pace and make something of, of that I don't believe is truly there. Because right. when all when all is said and done, Howard, every GM wants to keep their job and it's Absolutely. about self-preservation. And, and <laughs> you know, it's not like we, you know, we have a roster full of white players and nothing else. You know what I mean? Like, so clearly there's not that in place. But the process that he went through, that's where the real questions, you know, that's where they come in, and that's where we get to a point where we have to say we're at we're, we're at where we're at, we are now, and it's not looking or trending in the right direction. Hopefully, 
the organization, the ownership team can see that. And mm -hmm. barring a miracle, I, you know, I, I don't think I don't think their jobs should probably be saved at the end of the season. But again, it's not my franchise. I'm just a you know a bystander watching and seeing it unfold. You know, right. Uh, he's Howard Griffith, two-time Super Bowl champ. He knows a thing or two about football. I'm Jeff Meller here on ESPN 1000. Very post-game show brought to you by Miller Lite. We'll continue to take your calls. We'll also uh, reserve a little bit of time for Mitch Trubisky as he met the media as well. Back in just two short minutes. The ESPN 1000 post-game show returns after these. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. The ESPN 1000 Miller Lite postgame show is back. It's back with your hosts, ESPN 1000 fantasy expert and host Jeff Mellon, two-time Super Bowl champion, Chicago native Howard Griffith. Now back to more on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. <laughs> Bears. I am Jeff Miller alongside Howard Griffith taking your phone calls. It's about 12.30. We're reacting to another debacle by the Bears as they lose their fifth straight. They fall to five and six on the season. And it was 41 to 25. And it by no means ever felt like it should have been that close because it was far worse than that. I stopped taking notes at halftime. I had nothing left. <laughs> no, nothing nothing good was going to come of that game at that point. And I just, at that point, uh, was kind of like the Packers, Howard. I was just watching the clock as I awaited our fates tonight on the postgame show. That's basically how that game unfolded for me. Um, but how did it unfold for the listeners out there? Let's ask them. Let's try Rick, who's been patient as well. Rick is in Minneapolis. Rick, you were on with Howard Griffith and Jeff Miller. What's up, my man? Hey, Rick. Uh -oh, Rick. Hey there. How are you guys hey, doing? Hey, Rick. Good. Yo, know, since uh, 2009, the Bears have won three times against Green Bay. And all of us sat here tonight thinking that Mitch Trubisky was the answer, that he's going to bring us to the promised land in Green Bay. And honestly, it was one of the worst games I've seen against Green Bay in – Maybe my whole entire life. So uh, the defense was terrible. Uh, the offense was trash. You know, you, know what, you know what it is? It's time to call for heads. And I know you guys don't like doing this, but it's time to do it. The McCaskies got to sell the team. Ted Phillips needs to go. Pace needs to go. Nagy needs to be fired. and needs to be done now so we can start over and rebuild this team. Like, do you guys understand that Nagy might be the worst head coach and play caller in Bears history. Like, he's on that trajectory. I know Mark Tressman was bad, but Nagy might be worse. So, I know you guys don't like this, but uh, that's just the truth, man. It's the truth. Listen, Rick, uh, <laughs> I think Rick's saying a lot, something a lot, of, a lot of fans out there feel, Howard. And, and, and yeah. I'll let, you, I'll let you speak for yourself and respond to Rick's thoughts there. Yeah, you know, I, I think it, it, it's hard. And we've talked about it. That's the easy 
it's the easy way to do things, right? To call for people's heads and and and, and that sort of thing. But to me, you still have to have a plan, right? You, you still yeah. have to have a plan for the direction. And the reality is, we as fans, we 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 don't have we don't know what their plan is. We don't know what the economics are. We don't know that. And it's easy, yeah, we want to win, we want this to happen, this to happen, and it, it makes a lot of sense. But it, it, it's a reason it hasn't. So I think, you know, it, it comes down to, to them making that decision. And that's why I keep going back to they have to decide what the plan is for the franchise and lay out a plan in how you're going to get there. Because you can say, hey, you want to win Super Bowls, you want to compete for championships. If that's at the top of the list, then you start to plug people in that can help you get to that. And and that's what you have to be able to do. I mean, there are talented people out there that put organizations together. Do you want to tap into those people? And and that's what it comes down to. And it's got to be about about results. It has to be about results. It can't be about friendships it can't be about relationships and none of that stuff can matter when you're trying to win championships because believe me the the Roonies have figured it out yeah they figured it out in New England because New England was a horrible franchise but you but know now if you go there I mean there there's a mall around this place it's unbelievable you you can't find people to say anything bad about the New England Patriots. So it's hard to do, but it can be done. Yeah, you, you listen, you need to get the right people in place. And I don't know what exactly, you know, Rick brings up he's calling, he'd like to, you know, call for some heads. Does that, like, I guess my question is, when you say that, do you mean you want, you know, Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, axed tomorrow morning and what does that accomplish to me there is really no difference between firing a head coach and general manager you know when you're uh, 11 games into a season or just waiting it out to see how it you know plays out if you want to fire them go ahead and wait till the end of the season and just see what you know how like and and i'm not saying even if they finished eight and eight that wouldn't necessarily for me be a reason to keep somebody in a position when I've, I've felt that things have gone off the rails. I don't care about a couple of cheap wins over maybe the Lions, Texans, and Jaguars to save your job. I'm not, I, if I'm owning the team, I'm not going to be swayed by that. But I also don't think that firing Matt Nagy and just maybe, you know, promoting Chuck Pagano to interim head coach is going to all of a sudden change the direction of where this team is at. You know, we've, we've laid it out time and time again. There's, there's, you know, there, there's a talent gap between what the Bears are going to battle with each and every game, especially when they're playing the better teams in the league. And, you know, the, the problem is it's, it's a bad one-two punch to have is right. there's a talent gap, and Matt Nagy has not proven himself capable of scheming to his team's strengths to try and put his players in the best position. So it's a bad combination. But I don't think firing guys in week 12 is going to change this instantly, Howard, by any means. No, and you're absolutely right. Because I, I, I love to hear people say, well, w- they fired a coach and now they've got the interim. All right, so now what you're telling me with the interim, 
he's got all the answers, right? So mm. if he's got all the answers, why wasn't he sharing those answers since he's got all the answers? Why wasn't he sharing those answers with his boss? So is he sabotaging the boss? And I'm not saying that, you know, that's what they're doing, but that's what you say when you fire a coach in the middle of the season. Yeah, I mean, no, things it, have gotten to a point, they've gotten so bad that, you know, you just had to go in a different direction. And, you know, if they've gotten that bad that you've had to go into a different direction, you need to start looking at who's doing the hiring. Because you don't need to hire, fire somebody in the middle of the season. That doesn't, even, that doesn't even make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, like, again, like, maybe if we're talking about, like, you know, three or four games into the season and you had – some really high expectations and you could see the team was not, you know, playing hard or failing to execute and something that you could point directly to your coaching staff and say, no, this is not right. And we've got somebody on the staff who I want to take a look with, look at, but that's the other double-edged sword. There is, you know, what's another bad situation is to watch an interim head coach go on a four or five game run at the end of the season against maybe a couple of cupcakes cupcakes on the schedule, and all of a sudden yep. they've convinced you that they're the answer, and then you get into next season, and yeah. you quickly realize that that was a poor choice as well. So yeah, exactly. there's a whole lot of bad things that come with firing a coach, you know, two-thirds of the way through a season. Yeah, it, it's a tough situation. It's not easy. Um, and there are a lot, obviously a lot of coaches out there, but still you have to, you have to hire the right guy or the right person, I should say, for your organization that you're going to feel comfortable with that can deliver what it is you want. And, and again, that's why it starts at the point at the top about what it is you're looking for and what it is you want out of your franchise. He is two-time Super Bowl champ Howard Griffith. I am Jeff Meller. At one time, he was the sole holder of the college football record for most touchdowns <laughs> in a game. And I've waited till the end because we do have to address this before we wrap the show tonight. We'll do that next with Howard Griffith. I'm Jeff Miller on ESPN 1000. Don't move. More of the ESPN 1000 postgame show is coming up on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000. And the ESPN Chicago app. <laughs> ESPN 1000 Miller Lite postgame show is back. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. More history. Buffalo, Kent State. And Jarrett Patterson was the running back that could. 49-yard touchdown here. And this is a matchup of 3-0 and teams in the MAC East. Whoever wins this game takes first place alone. And it's, he's quick and shifty. Yeah. He's 5'9", 195. Defense can't find him. This guy had 301 yards against Bowling Green last week. And he actually had a better game statistically this week. Twin brother plays on this team as well. 58-yard touchdown here. Buffalo up. Patterson good. 36 carries, 409 yards, 8. Video touchdown. That's what? the second most in FBS history. Oklahoma Savage P. Ryan had the record of 427 back in 2014. And his eight rushing TDs tied the single-game record set by Howard Griffith of Illinois <laughs> back in 1990. Oh, no, don't ever sleep on Howard Griffith. What the hell? The chuckling at my guy. His record was just tied, and all of us. And there's no. There's no love for my man Hogriff. They're they're chuckling about it, Howard. I have to imagine you or your phone was blowing up. 
on Saturday. <laughs> it was it was it was a fun day, to be quite honest. We had a good time. Dave Refson was uh, keeping us posted, and um, it was a good time, though. But congratulations to the young man. I mean, 409 yards, eight touchdowns. Probably should have had nine, but the coach uh, wanted to get somebody else involved. So good for me. There you go. <laughs> there you go. They let you uh, be the uh, – you guys now tied atop the FBS record book with yes. eight, eight touchdowns in a single game. So – uh, that is at least still good news. We can say that. But, uh, yeah, it was a little like, uh, what the heck, man? My guy, Ho Griff, and his eight touchdowns now is no <laughs> longer all alone. It's congrats to uh, Jared Patterson for tying what Ho Griff did back in 1990 for the fighting Illini. I mean, it's been like 30 years. I mean, uh, it gets lonely. I need well, someone to talk to. I, I believe the old saying goes, <laughs> Howard, uh, records are made to be tied. As long as as yes. long as the uh, as long as the man holding the record can still be tied, it is still worthwhile. All right, we'll look, clean up a couple more calls yes. here before we wrap things up on the Miller Lite post game show here on ESPN One Thousand. Miller Lite, the official beer of the Chicago Bears. Let's try Kevin, who's in Elmhurst. He's been very patient tonight. Kevin, thank you so much. What do you want to talk about with this Bears Packers debacle? Um. Honestly, I'm uh, I'm past the Bears Packers, mind of the future. I got a two part question, real quick. First part: What do you guys think about Joe Brady as a possible head coach? Mm. Mm. Real quick. Too early. Not ready. Okay. Um, and then, Not ready. And then I know I know Virginia, and I know George. They love the Bears, but I think it's time for the McCaskies to sell. What do you guys think? Do you think they should sell the team? <laughs> but listen, if you're the McCaskies, right, if you're the McCaskies, why would you sell arguably the most profitable franchise in the NFL that doesn't own their own stadium. And, and I preface it with that because that's an important uh, difference when you talk about the Dallas Cowboys and what they're worth. And, and you talk about this. Chicago, why would you sell them? I, I, what did, I, what did I they actually means... pay for the Chicago Bears? Oh, I, I, oh, I, I saw this. This was, ha- I, saw, I saw, it's an absurd. It was like like we're talking like a thousand dollars. I'm not kidding. I, I, yes. saw this, uh, I saw this a couple months ago, but it was like a thousand or maybe, you know, maybe yes. it was $2,000, but like it was absurdly low. Let's go. Let's, let's go out on a limb Wait, and say it, it was $10,000. This franchise is probably worth north of 2 billion, 1.7 billion. Come on. Why would you ever sell? Can, all right, I, I get that, but can you guys hear me? Yeah, we got you. Yeah, what, we got what's, you. what's up, Kev? All right, all right, I get that, but as, as the owners, they don't want to sell because of money. As a Bears fan, though, would you, too, like to see them sell because they cannot pick the right leadership to draft a team and pick a team? Do you want to see them give it up because they can't do the right thing? I understand why they shouldn't, but do you want to see them give it up? Okay, so I'll say this. You can learn to pick the right people. You can be, you can go through that process. You don't need to sell the team. 
to go through that process. So to answer your question, you know, I, I would be leaning upon the people that I truly trusted, which is another problem because clearly the people that they truly trust don't necessarily pick the right people either. But I'd go through that process and keep going through that process before I would sell the franchise or before I would <laughs> yeah. recommend someone like that sell the franchise. Yeah, no, I, 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 I look, I understand the frustration that Bears fans have, Kevin, with, uh, you know, what you're dealing with, you know, when the team has, you know, I think I've, I saw it multiple times on Twitter. It's been the same thing now for 30 years, you know, failing to get that franchise quarterback and then, you know, you know, occasionally putting together a pretty nice defense and maybe a little bit of a complimentary offense, but never any sustained success. And so people point to, okay, the owners need to sell, but like, that's just, it's not the way it works. Unfortunately. Yeah, I, sure. I'd love, I'd love a, an ownership group that really had, you know, like, like Howard said multiple times, you'd love the McCaskies to have a better understanding like the Rooney's do, you know, the continuity of a head coach, you, you know, being there for multiple years is definitely a, a, a huge plus. And if you can get to the point where you trust the guy you have in place, then you feel really good about where you're at as a franchise. So yeah, I would love to have an ownership group that you felt good about, but un- unfortunately that's not the case. And just, you know, saying, Oh, they should sell. I think that's how much, you know, how, I don't know. I like, it feels like that's a fruitless endeavor in a lot of ways. And, and Jeff, the other thing is this, I, I mean, the McCaskies aren't the only, or well, the bears uh, fans aren't the only ones that want their 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 team to ownership to to sell. I mean, it's hard to win in the National Football League. It is hard. Yeah, and, and I think you, you, people look around and and they say, "Well, shoot, they're able to do it. Why can't we?" It's hard. No, it's hard. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, look. I mean, it, it, honestly, it could be worse. It was. Uh, it could be. Um, you could be the Washington Football Team. I mean. Dan Snyder, like, you know, was hanging out with a racist uh, team name for up until this season. Like, it could even be worse, believe it or not. So, yeah, you know, yeah. in addition to being, a, you know, an abysmal team for the last 30 years, uh, Sean uh, Davis, our fine producer, just pointed out that uh, I, we were correct, Howard, and it was obscenely low. George Hallis paid $100 in 1920 for the Chicago Bears franchise. So, See what they've, I'm so they've I mean, they've, they've done wonderful. <laughs> yes, they've turned quite a profit. They're not looking to get out of the football business. It is a good business to be in if you have your hands in the pot. Let's try Mike in Dallas, Texas. Mike, you're on with Howard Griffith and Jeff Meller on the Bears post game show. What's up? Hey, just wanted to make a comment to say that, um, you know, for me, it seems like it would be good to have somebody like Lewis Riddick as your GM because he seems to have his finger on the pulse of what's going on. And his, his analysis <laughs> seems pretty accurate. And also, I would I wouldn't I wouldn't stop there. I would go again, I would go for Eric Bienemy at Kansas City who's who's long overdue for a head coaching position and has proven his chops because he's called plays before. And if Andy Reid trusts him as much as he does, then this is a guy who's actually called plays in, in a successful offense, unlike uh, Nagy, who kind of who, who kind of just dropped who wet the bed when he had his opportunity in Kansas City. So I help him listen. I I love the names you threw out because I was I wanted to ask JD earlier what he thought about Lewis Riddick and mm. um, you know we've seen this happen on the basketball side where guys have maybe been a general manager or a coach gone into broadcasting and then gone back into 
uh, you know, in, into basketball. We've seen that happen. We've, you know, we've watched John Lynch do it and be very successful at it. Could Lewis Riddick be that type of guy that could do it? Could, could it be Rick Smith who used to, you know, be with the Broncos and, and used to be with the Houston Texans? Is he oh. a guy that could do it? If there are, Smith there's is, people out there. If Rick Smith is is interested in getting back into it, I would certainly be open to that idea because he's proven, you know, his chops. As, like, it's rare that you find a GM with some proven chops in this league. Too often, yep. it's a guy who's getting his first crack at it, and then mm-hmm. when they fail, they don't ever get a second chance at it. Rick, you know, Rick Smith was very successful in Houston while managing – Bill O'Brien in a situation that was probably more, as we see, you know, in the aftermath, it, it seems like it was even more difficult yeah. to try and navigate the way he did. And and, it, and he put a lot of talent on the field for that Houston Texans team. Um, yeah. You know, I can with, promise while, you he would entertain this job mm. in a heartbeat. And he lost it. He lost a, a power struggle with Bill O'Brien. Which you know is I think is is on the on the books. People know about that, but he you you mentioned the talent that has been put together in that organization. You can't argue with it, and he would he would absolutely be on the the short list along with Riddick. Actually, he would be ahead of Riddick if you if you ask me right now to choose one. I'd choose Riddick. I, I will co-sign that because I've, I've seen him do it, you know, in the league. And so, and, and it, there's just something to be said for a guy who knows exactly what the job that needs to be done. Again, I'm not saying that Lewis Riddick wouldn't be fantastic at the job. Un- unfortunately, though, sometimes you never know, you know, a guy's shortcomings until they actually get into the position. With yep. Rick Smith, you've seen it work firsthand. And Lewis Riddick, even though I do think he'll be fantastic, he still would have to come in and learn on the job some Mm -hmm. things that he is unfamiliar with. So for me, that would be the one drawback. All right, that's a good place to call it a wrap, though, tonight. We uh, do appreciate all the people out there for listening and calling. Sorry we could not get to everybody. But again, if you call sooner, call earlier in the show. We'll have more time for you because we won't have to play Matt Nagy and get to JD. (laughs) But I do thank everybody out there for listening and participating. Don't forget, Cap and Jay Hood will be back with more local programming starting at 7 a.m. tomorrow. And, of course, I have to imagine that uh, Key, Jay Will, and Zubin will be talking quite a bit about the Packers the completely, completely <laughs> humiliating the Bears tonight. But for us, that will do it with the co-leader in <laughs> touchdown at the FBS level. I am Jeff Meller for Howard Griffith. Thanks so much for listening. She's been very supportive. She agrees with the decisions that we've made. She's pissed off. She's fed up with mediocrity. She feels that she and Bears fans everywhere deserve better. Go Bears!